It's a perfect song for today's message. All I want is to be like you. There's a central question that I have in the message today, and that is this. What makes a person clean? It's good to have with us the children in worship today. And I was just curious, when you get really dirty, kids, are you listening? When you get really dirty, uh, what's the best way to get clean? How many of you would say a shower? How many would say a bath? How many of you get baths more often than you get showers? How many take showers most of the time? Yeah. Seems like the older you get, probably the more showers you take, the more independence you have. But it's that question, how does one become clean? And the question to us today is, what makes a person clean? How do we, how do we become clean from the inside out? So often we worry about the outside of the cup, but the Lord worries about the heart. Because that's where it begins. So turn with me in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 37 through 40. Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 40. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. Why would Jesus... Why would a Pharisee invite Jesus to lunch? There's a lot of different answers to that question. He might have invited him just because he wanted an opportunity to to rub shoulders with this celebrity. Jesus had become quite a celebrity in his day. Everywhere he went and spoke, a crowd gathered around him. He was somewhat of a rock star, if you will. And just maybe to get his signature, to rub shoulders with him, to be able to say, you know what, I can eat with. I can have an appointment with anybody I desire. Maybe it was a bragging point for this Pharisee. Maybe he simply wanted to enjoy the pleasure of his company. Or maybe to share the riches of Scripture, just to study the Word of God with this man named Jesus. Maybe his desire was to talk privately about some personal concerns he had about his relationship with God. When we read this scripture, we're immediately drawn. Why why would the Pharisee want to meet and have lunch with Jesus? Well, if you read down in the scripture in verse 45, then again in verse 54, we get a glimpse of why. 54 says, we were waiting to catch him in something he might say. You see, there were experts in the law there along with the Pharisee, and they were hoping to catch Jesus in something he might say. Jesus had been invited for lunch, but the reality was Jesus was the main course that day. And Jesus knew exactly what the Pharisee was doing. And so he set it up so that he would give each of them an indigestion that would not leave them just in that day. Verse 38, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. While everyone else was lining up in the basin to wash their hands, Jesus immediately sat down at the table to eat. It's kind of interesting. Jesus can start a conversation without saying a word. You see, he disrupted the norm. It was normal for them to ceremonially wash their hands. They would go through this ritual where they would 
take first, and they would rub their hands together and get all the loose dirt and grime off from the day. And then they would take their hands and they would raise them fingertips up and at least two eggs full of water. That was the one and a half to two was the minimum water that was to be used to wash ceremonially your hands. They would pour the water from the fingertips to the wrist. And then they would rub their hands together. And then the third part of that would be they, they would take their hands and they would put them fingertips down and they would pour the water from their wrists to their fingertips and in doing so, they were ceremonially clean. And this was a ritual. And, but when Jesus came in, he did not sit, he did not stand at the basin to have his hands washed. Instead, he went immediately to the table. Verse 38, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. That day, when they had, Jesus had been invited to dinner, Jesus began to deal with an issue of the heart. You Pharisees, you care about the outside of the cup. You want to make sure that the outside of the cup, but if you turn it inside and look at it, it's dirty. It's full of greed and and wickedness. And he begins to address the issue of the heart for the Pharisees. Do you remember your first car? Mine was a 1972 Ford Pinto. Do you remember yours? I love that Pinto. It was a 1972 Ford Pinto with a third door or a hatchback. Mine was a Sprint. In 1972... Uh, that was the year of the Olympics. And so Ford came out with three models of the Sprint. They had a Mustang, a Maverick, and a Pinto. Mine was the Pinto. I love that car. Show us the next picture. I have a lot of good memories of that car. When I think of that car, I think of Debbie. Debbie would look good in go-go boots. What do you think? <laughs> you see, I was a junior in college. I bought it between my sophomore and my junior year. And uh, that was the car that we would load up the skis and go to the ski lodge in. And it was the car that we began to fall in love with one another. It was a great car. That car would go anywhere. I loved that car. And it had a hatchback. I could throw the skis in the back and drive down the road. When, when the blizzards came, we went anyway to the lodge. I loved that car. But when I purchased the car, next picture, the interior of that car was filthy. You see, I bought it from a farmer for $400. Now, that seems like a little bit of money, but then the car brand new was only 2000 And so he drove it for about four years, put quite a few miles on it. And when I got it, it was filthy. The interior, evidently he must have left the windows down all the time because the interior was just covered in dirt. I, I drove it home just proud of my purchase that day. And as I was driving it home, I, I heard it go ping, 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 ping as I made my way to the garage. And, and I drove it up into our garage and I got out some cleaning materials and I began to clean the interior of the car. And as I did, I realized, wow, those seats are beautiful. Got the shampoo out. I cleaned the, the vinyl on that. And it was this red, white, and blue interior. 
But the problem was the car had sat outside all this time and the paint was faded. It had a, had a rust spot on the right corner panel about the size of a softball. It was all the way through. And it just, you know, even though I liked the car, it just looked terrible. So I struck up a deal. There was a guy in our church who who had this little two-car garage paint shop, and, and he would do, that was his full-time job, and he would do one car at a time. And uh, I said, hey, if I came in and worked for you some, what would you charge me to repaint my car? He says, I'll charge you. You come in and work for me two weeks. I'll, after work, you come in after work for two weeks, I'll charge you $400. I said, okay, let's do it. So for $400, we completely repainted the car, red, white, and blue, just like the Sprint collars. I had cleaned the interior. It looked amazing. My dad was so impressed, he bought me four new tires. The car looked like brand new. I would drive it down the road, and go, and it would go ping, 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 ping. It looked brand new, but it had a problem in the engine. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know a whole lot about cars. And, and so I asked a couple friends of mine, they said, you know, Rex, your problem is the head. It's, it's got uh, cylinders. And they go up, up and down, and, and you've got a cylinder hitting on the wall, and, and you need to have that rebuilt. So I decided to drive it up into my garage. I didn't tell my parents or anybody else, and, and I just began to take apart the car. I took out the spark plug wires. I took the distributor cap out. I took the carburetor off. I took the head off, and I took it over to Johnny's Auto Parts and said, hey, would you rebuild this? And for 80 bucks, they completely rebuilt the head. And then when it was done, I brought it back, and I began to reassemble my car that had been sitting now for three, four days in my parents' garage and uh, put everything together. And when it came to the spark plugs, I thought, well, okay, this is the longest wire. This one must go to the plug way over here this was the next in length and that and then so you know that made sense to me and i put the distributor back in and and fired it up and of course it wouldn't start i, I did not know that there was an order the engines have an order where that the plugs have to fire in i didn't read that and i looked at the pictures <laughs> And so it was beyond me. I, I wasn't sure what to do with the car at that point. And so I called a friend of mine who was an aerodynamics engineer. His name is Bill Savage. And he'd taken a couple courses in, ad, in addition to working on jet airplanes. He took a couple courses on cars. And, and he came. He brought with him a gun, not just a, a gun that you used in a battle, but a, a timing gun. Now, many of you who are younger, you would have no idea what that is because you don't have cars that need timed today. But he brought with him this timing gun, and he said, Rex, don't you know that there's a firing order, and these spark plugs have to be just in the right place, and the distributor has to be just in the right spot at the right degree in order for the engine to fire properly. So he got it all in line and shined that flashlight gun in the right spot and made just the right adjustments, and that engine ran smooth. And I had like a brand new car. I loved that car. You remember your first car? You see, I, I could have ignored the problem. I, I could have hoped that it would go away. I, I could have bought a bigger sound system and turned it up, turned the bass up, boom, 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 and, and allowed the bass to be loud enough that it drowned out the ping, 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 ping as I drove down the road. I, I was told that, you know, Rex, if you just... Drive it hard and 
go down the road fast, you'll blow out all that carbon that's in there and it'll stop pinging. Or this special oil, use this special oil, that'll make the sound go away. But the reality was, internal problems need internal solutions. I had to open the hood and reach deep down into the greasy snarl of wires and metal to repair the damage that was there. Internal problems require internal solutions. Matthew chapter 11, verse 39 says, Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. I cleaned up the outside and the inside of the car, put on new tires, but I drove down the road and went ping, 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 ping. We come to church and we clean up the outside. We look good. We press our shirts. And we go down the road, ping, ping, ping. And the Lord begins to speak to us about our heart. You see, our tendency is to monitor our behavior, to wash the outside of the cup, while pretty much ignoring the heart. And Jesus challenges us today to look at the heart. We feel guilty, so we wash the car a little more, ping, 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 but it doesn't fix the guilt in our life. We apply some shine to the outside appearance. We give a little extra money in the offering plate, and we walk down, ping, 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 ping. We watch the highlight reels of other people's lives on Facebook, and we find ourselves jealous. Ping, 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 ping. Depressing thoughts overwhelm us. So we buy a new toy or new clothes or a new outfit to make us feel better. And it does for a season. And yet when the bill comes due and the debt becomes overwhelming, we feel guilty because we can't be generous. Because our greed has driven us to buy more than we can afford. And we feel guilty because of our greed. And we go down life, ping, 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 ping. You see, we can clean up the outside of the cup, the outside of the car, but until we allow the Lord to work on the inside of the heart. If we desire to live generous lives, we, we can't because of the lack of discipline in our lives. You see, every single one of us, we watch the tornadoes come through and hurricanes sweep across and all the tragedies in, in our world. And we want to give. We want to make a difference. We want to give to the church. And yet many times we have found ourselves in a predicament where we have allowed the materialism of our world to make decisions that we should be making. And we're not good stewards of our time and our resources. And then we feel guilty. Anger bangs and rattles inside of us. So we think, if I drive a little bit harder, it'll go away. Maybe if I just turn up the noise and we turn the TV on 24-7, we can't stand to have silence. For if there's silence, we might reflect upon the ping, ping, ping in our life. And it hurts. We hope that the noise goes away. But it doesn't. You see, damaged hearts require spiritual repair. 
Simply polishing the exterior of our lives with religion just isn't enough. Just coming to church, while it may make you feel better, it doesn't fix the heart of the problem. You need to allow the Lord to reach deep and when your heart in your heart and deal with those feelings. We feel guilty. Ping, ping, ping. You see, guilt says, I owe you. I've offended you. I, I've stolen something from you. I lied about you. I wrecked our home. I didn't show up when I was supposed to. I cheated on something. Guilt says, I have done something to offend you. Now I owe you. You see, we know this debt relationship because we say it that way. I owe you an apology. So we say something like, I'll make it up to you. Motivated by our, by our debt, we compound the problem by love. By, we compound the problem by attempting to buy love. I'll make it up to you. In our attempts to buy love, we create a society of materialism. And we see it every day in our society, don't we? We feel guilty, and so we purchase something. We feel guilty, so we buy a present. We feel guilty. We don't deal with the, if we do not deal with the issue of the heart, we're motivated by our guilt. And often in this scenario, the parent fails to set appropriate boundaries, resulting in destructive behaviors. We've all done it. We've all seen it. And so it's important that we deal with this issue of the heart. Greed says, guilt says, I owe you, but greed says, I owe me. It's my stuff. I owe, I owe it to myself to take care of myself and my family. Greed says, I owe me. I, 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 want, I want to be generous, but I'm greedy. And it's a hard issue. Jealousy says, God owes me. When you dig down and you really look at it, jealousy says, God owes me. Well, how come they get all these things? How come they have all the talent? How come, God, why not me? And when we get down to it, we realize that we think that God owes us something. But the reality is God owes us nothing. Anger says, you owe me. You owe me a reputation. You owe me a childhood. You owe it to me to have been at my wedding. You owed it to me to have been at my graduation. You owed it to me to have tucked me in bed at night. You owed it to me to have stayed with my dad. You owed it to me to have raised our children. You owe me. Anger's like an open account, and I'm not going to close this account until I get paid what is owed me. You owe me. And we live our lives in these debt-debtor relationships. You owe me something. Now I want you to look at verse 40. Jesus is talking about the outside of the cup, and he says to the Pharisees, it's an issue of the heart. You're full of greed and wickedness. Then he says, you foolish people, did not the one who makes the outside make the inside also? But now, for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean 
for you. Have you ever read a scripture and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on? You see something you've never seen before in that verse. This is one of those verses. But now as for what is inside you, now for what is God has put in you. We are a new, new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. And now what is inside you? Be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. I like the way the NASB says it. It says, but give that which is within as charity. Have you asked Christ in your heart and your life? Do you realize that you're a new creation? The old is gone. The new has come. That you are the redeemed. Give what is in within you as charity. What well, he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Give what is within you as charity. And it will be clean for you. So how do we become clean? C.S. Lewis said this, The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good but that God will make us good because he loves us. Look at that verse again. But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. You see, when we have guilt in our lives and we walk down the road and it goes ping, 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 and even though we've shined up the outside of the cup, the outside of the car, and everything looks good, the only way we can deal, deal with that guilt is to allow the Lord to reach deep within. And we confess. You see, confession breaks the power of guilt over us. And then you can either repay the debt or ask a person to forgive that debt, to cancel that debt. Both of these things are required in confession. So how do we deal with the ping, ping, ping of guilt? We confess, Lord, I, I'm guilty. We That's the hardest part, isn't it? You ever tell a lie and find that the hardest part about the lie is telling, coming clean and telling the truth? And once you got over that, it wasn't as bad. You ever lie to your parent and, uh, and it was like awful until you finally confessed and there was this relief at the confession. And it wasn't nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be. All of us are like that. We're resistant, aren't we, to allow the Lord because of our pride. And so we carry with us in life this guilt. Ping, ping, ping. Oh, we're all shiny on the outside. We go to church. We're really quite religious, just like the Pharisees were quite religious. They had their rituals. They washed their hands. They did all the right things. They, they paid a tithe. They gave every little piece to the Lord, 10% of everything that they had. And yet the Lord speaks to them about their heart. You see, it's not about the ritual. It's about living our life for Christ. It's allowing him to clean, clean us from the inside out. And so we confess our guilt. Lord, I'm guilty. And we ask, either pay the debt or ask for forgiveness for that debt. Maybe the struggle of the ping, ping, ping is one of jealousy. We need to come to that place where we confess to God we are jealous and that, that really, in essence, we're jealous and we blame him. Lord, I realize that everything I have is a gift from you. Forgive me for thinking otherwise. 
And the way to break the habit of jealousy is to celebrate the victories of others out loud. You know, as a youth pastor, most of my ministry, 25 years of my ministry, and and, uh, Pastor Brian and I work together all the time, and he's much better at uh, developing and maintaining staff than I was, lay staff. He's just brilliant. And, uh, but I learned very quickly that I could probably minister to and care for and love on about 30 teens. But if we were going to be a youth group of any, that was any larger than that, I needed a lot of different people. And there were people who had more talents, more gifts, more abilities than I had. And if I was going to really grow the, the youth program, I needed to tap into those individuals. Fortunately for me, when we came here, a lot of those people were already in place. We had phenomenal quizzing directors, phenomenal music directors, phenomenal, you know, H program. And, uh, and, but it would be easy to be jealous of these people and to be own this, you know, no, no, this is my program. And this is, and yet the jealousy gets in the way of the ministry. And in life, a lot of times we're jealous of others. They're promoted when we should have been. Uh, they may have a presentation that we should have done. They receive a raise that we should have gotten. And there's this jealousy. It's just, it's, it's our humanity. It just kind of rises up. And, you know, we don't even like that. I don't like that I'm jealous. You know what the solution is to jealousy is you confess it. Lord, forgive me for being jealous. I know as a Christian that you want to change me from the inside out. I know that you want to do a work in my heart. I confess that I'm jealous. And then celebrate out loud. Say to that person, I'm so proud of how you handled that situation. That presentation was amazing. And when you begin to celebrate the victories of others, you know what happens? Verse 41. But give that which is within as charity. I'm a new creature, creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But give what is within as charity. And God has loved me, and now I'm going to love the world around me. Give what is in as charity. And when you celebrate the successes of others, what happens is you fall in love. And then all things are clean. For you. As we live out our faith, God does a work in our hearts. As we work out our salvation, as we've come to grips with what it means to be a follower of Christ and a believer of Christ, God does a work in us. And it's often we don't realize it until we step in the water, right? We don't realize all that God has already done for us until we celebrate. Greed is the same way. Yeah, but I'm greedy. You know the solution to greed is to confess that you're greedy. Lord, I have to be honest with you. It's hard for me. This whole tithing thing, this whole church thing. I don't want to get caught up in all the legalism. That's all. That's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus is dealing with the issue of the heart. Are you greedy? Confess that you're greedy. And the way to break the power of greed is to systematically give. Start out small. All we know the standard is a tithe and then an offering above that. But start out small. 
Break the power of greed in your life by giving to God what is God's. The scripture is very clear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus also said, um, I didn't write that one down and just left me. The third one is anger. Identify your anger. Identify who you're angry with from season to season. Who you're angry with. And do not carry your anger from one season to the next. Do not carry your anger from adolescence, from childhood into adolescence, from adolescence into adulthood, and from adulthood into your married life. Deal with your anger. The scripture says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Identify what was taken from you, what was owed you. And finally, confess that you're angry. And decide to cancel the debt. Write a check paid in full. You see, but give that which is within as charity. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then all things are clean for you. But I can't forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness. You're right. But give what is within as charity. And then all things. You see, God wants to deal with the issue of your heart. Two principles. Never try to cover up wrongs within, within by cleaning up the externals of your life. Just as we can't fix an engine by washing the car, so we can't fix our sinful sinfulness by sprinkling some religious some religious attitudes on the surface of our lives. To be truly clean, we must invite Christ into the inner chamber of our lives. Lord, would you purify my heart? Second, always pay attention to the inside of your life. So as we close, I have a couple questions for you. Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anybody? Ping, ping, ping. Are you waiting around for somebody to come to you to make things right? Ping, 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 ping. Have you an extended imaginary conversations with anybody lately? Ping, ping. Do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you have to apologize for? I don't know where that came from. I do. It came from the heart. Ping, ping. Have you secretly celebrated someone's failure? That's an attitude of jealousy. Oh, you wouldn't believe how they crashed and burned. Lord, help me not to celebrate the failures of others. Ping, ping. Got any secrets eating at you? Anything going on that you hope nobody discovers? Have you lied recently to somebody that you love? You see, Christ isn't fooled by our outward appearance. 
he looks at the heart. And he wants to do a work in us to cleanse us and to make us new. Pastor Edgar is going to come and lead us in a song. And I want us to stand and sing this song, and then I'm going to have a word of prayer for you at the end. And if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, the altar is open. But how's your heart? Are you carrying guilt and greed and anger and jealousy with you in your journey of faith? If so, just lay it at the altar today. Let's sing together.